0: You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens raven's wire and we return here on free agency thursday luckily we don't have to stray too far from what we've been doing here on thursdays and that is talking about free agency it's in full swing now. The first day of actual free agency was yesterday on Wednesday. The first two days, Monday and Tuesday, were just the tampering period. So, teams starting to trickle in moves that they've made being official. But it's a little difficult with this coronavirus going around because teams don't want players in the building. They don't want anybody in the building. So, in order to actually have a deal be complete, they have to pass a physical. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're not in a gym to do so. So, Some deals being announced, others not being formally announced. The Ravens formally announced the trade of Hayden Hurst with the Atlanta Falcons for a second round pick. So that's officially official, but the other moves as the virus kind of dies down, and who knows when that'll be, but as the virus dies down and as time goes on, the deals will be announced. So the Ravens have reportedly acquired Clayus Campbell and have reportedly signed Michael Brockers and have reportedly re-signed Justin Ellis and Jihad Ward so those moves will be made official in time but today we're gonna just talk about free agency what happened yesterday on Wednesday a couple big moves happened a few former Ravens now with different teams so we'll get into what that means for those players and the Ravens in general. Plus, we're going to talk about if Jadavion Clowney is still a realistic option for Baltimore. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, Jadavion Clowney could sign at any possible moment, but at the moment, Jadavion Clowney is still not signed by any team, so we're going to get into whether he is still a realistic possibility for Baltimore, and then finally in the third segment, going over some options that still could be available for Baltimore, as we kind of gear towards the end of the, you know, top tier expensive free agents and kind of get down into the bargains. So talking about those guys, but again, depending on when you're listening to the show, people could have been signed, people could have been released. So there are more guys. So again, there's a lot to digest and a lot of moving parts going around. So with all that being said, let's just jump right in. But before we do that, again, be sure to tell your friends where to find us, where to listen. You know the drill Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Follow our Twitter accounts at Locked On Ravens and my personal account, of course, at Chaos Striker 34. So, with all that being said, Let's jump right into it, and there were a lot of moves made yesterday, of course, the big one. Two days ago, Tom Brady reportedly becoming a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a move that it's so hard to imagine Tom Brady in any other uniform but the Patriots. Go on Twitter, go on Instagram, go on Facebook. Go look at the pictures of Tom Brady photoshopped in a Tampa Bay uniform. You might have to wash your eyes out after. It's just the weirdest thing in the world for me to see, but all right, jumping in. The Jacksonville Jaguars trading Nick Foles to the Chicago Bears for a compensatory fourth-round draft pick and this is a big move for both Jacksonville and for Chicago. Chicago obviously looking for a quarterback, Mr. Biskey, not really doing it right now, but uh, Nick Foles coming in on a, on a big contract, and that was the reason why Jacksonville decided to move on. I think that they really believed in Gardner Minshew this entire time, and they're saying, yeah, look, we're not going to trade Nick Foles. We're not going to do this because we believe in Nick Foles. We want the right price for Nick Foles, but in reality, they were kind of, all right, I think it's time to move on. Nick Foles obviously did not work out in a Jacksonville uniform. Has had success in Philadelphia and not anywhere else. So it'll be interesting to see whether Nick Foles can turn it around in Chicago. This also means that that's a destination where Cam Newton and Andy Dalton are no longer options. So, does Andy Dalton get traded to New England? Does Cam Newton get traded to New England? The Denver Broncos are moving on from our buddy Joe Flacco. So does Joe Flacco sign a cheap deal with the Patriots to become their guy for a year? And then do the Patriots maybe draft a Trevor Lawrence or maybe Justin Fields? You know, it's a moving situation in New England. So this move, Jacksonville traded Nick Foles to Chicago. It actually has implications in other places other than those two teams. I mean, the Jaguars in full rebuilding mode right now. Their picks, they have two first round picks, a second round pick, a third round pick, three fourth round picks, two fifth round picks, two sixth round picks, and a seventh round pick. And aside from that, they also have two first round picks in 2021. They are stocking up. It's been an interesting ride for Jacksonville. I mean, that 2017 defense was, oh my God, dominating but now it's just been a roller coaster you know Blake Bortles didn't get it done then Nick Foles didn't get it done so whatever it may be for Jacksonville they are in full rebuild mode and that is not going to change the Ravens will face them in 2020 so hopefully that's going to be an easy win where Baltimore will not play down to their opponents Leonard Floyd, who seemed to be an option for Baltimore at the outside linebacker position due to his ability to maybe drop back in coverage, he signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Los Angeles Rams, maybe a guy who the Ravens could have taken a flyer on, they really liked him coming out of the draft when he was drafted by the Bears, and a former first-round pick, I mean, the talent is there, the intangibles, the speed, the strength, You know, he is a big dude, but the Rams swoop him up. And Devon Kennard, another outside linebacker, he signed with the Arizona Cardinals on a three-year deal. So both of those guys they are not coming to Baltimore. Instead, going to the NFC West. The Steelers lost their safety, Sean Davis. He went to the Washington Redskins, so just up the street. A one-year deal, $5 million. and So another player that comes with the fallout of tagging Bud Dupree to that massive cap hit, Chris Harris going to the Los Angeles Chargers. A two-year, $20 million deal. That is a steal for Los Angeles. They seem to be making the right moves. Didn't get Tom Brady. It also was announced that they are planning to go with Tyrod Taylor is their starting quarterback. So an interesting move for them, not going after a Cam Newton, not going after an Andy Dalton. They're going to ride out with Tyrod Taylor. Ravens fans, we know him well. So best of luck to Tyrod and he deserves a shot. He had the shot in Buffalo, had it in Cleveland, and just another opportunity, another stop for Tyrod Taylor. So good for him. Malcolm Jenkins getting released by the Eagles and then signing with the New Orleans Saints back to where he was drafted in the first round all those years ago. Four years, $32 million, 16 and a quarter million guaranteed. Good money for Malcolm Jenkins, still a very solid player. A lot of surprise cuts in the NFL, too. Josh Klein got cut by the Minnesota Vikings. A very capable guard will get into him in the third segment. Eric Reid cut by the Carolina Panthers. So a lot of things going on on the cut mill. Potentially, guys, the Ravens could sign because, hey, they're not counting against that compensatory pick formula, so that is very valuable to Baltimore. Desmond Trufant, the former Atlanta Falcons cornerback, signed with the Lions. And uh, Darius Slay... Does not want to be in Detroit. Tweeted out that he hopes this speeds up his trade process. So, safe to say, Darius Slay is not going to be in a Lions uniform come the new season in 2020, but... The big news for Baltimore fans, Seth Roberts and Michael Pierce. Two guys who contributed to the team last season and Michael Pierce for years beyond. Seth Roberts was the first to go, signing with the Carolina Panthers on a one-year deal. We talked about him yesterday in our positional review. If you haven't listened to that, you can go back and listen to it there. But a guy who will provide the Panthers with some receiver depth, you know, not the best guy in terms of hands. But hey, he gave the Ravens some solid production, made some contested catches, so was able to contribute in ways that... Wasn't really appreciated enough for Baltimore, but again, I don't think Baltimore is going to miss him. I think they have a plan with that receiver room, a plan that might take a few years, but overall, Baltimore, I think, has that plan. And then, second, Michael Pierce. After the Ravens got Calais Campbell, after they got Michael Brockers, the writing was on the wall for Michael Pierce, and he signed a three-year, $27 million deal with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, that's just $3 million less than the Ravens gave Michael Brockers. I think that just makes the Michael Brockers deal look even better for Baltimore, but Michael Pierce, a guy who had three and a half sacks for Baltimore throughout his entire career, 151 total tackles. A guy, just a massive human being, six feet, 340 pounds. I mean, you're not moving him off the ball. but he's a run stuff guy. Didn't really do a lot getting to the quarterback in the Ravens. They wanted to get that interior pressure. So the trade-off is, all right, you're getting Michael Brockers, who is still a superior run defender, but that interior pressure that he can bring, Michael Pierce could not. So he goes, goes to Minnesota after they lost Linval Joseph to the Los Angeles Chargers. A good fit for him, gets a lot of playing time, becomes the guy on the defensive line. Still one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. So congratulations to Michael Pierce. You know, Congratulations to Seth Roberts. Wish no ill will on those guys. You know, we got to thank him for their contributions to Baltimore, but say, you know, we're moving on to the next guys. We are going to head to break now, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about the potential of Jadavian Clowney coming to Baltimore, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Oshryker's still hanging out with you here, and we just got into what happened on Wednesday, the first official day of free agency. But now as we head here into segment two, there's a guy who has not yet been signed and that is Sudavian Clowney, the best edge rusher on the market. Not a great year in terms of stats, only three sacks, only played in 13 games, was bothered by a core muscle injury. He had to have some off-season surgery on it, but it seems like the market for him has not been established in the way that he's wanted. It seems like Clowney was asking for 21, 22 million dollars a year, He's not even getting offers in the $20 million range, apparently, so the market not what he has wanted, and the rumor is that he is willing to take a short-term deal here, something that I believe the Ravens could potentially be interested in here, but they have to be smart with it. If they decide to sign him to a 3-4 year deal worth, let's say the market isn't what it is for Clowney, which is the report. If you give him $17-18 over 3 or 4 years, you are severely hindering your ability to sign guys like Marnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, you're going to have to sign guys like Lamar Jackson really later on, and Marquise Brown, you're going to have to, Marcus Peters' extension is up in 3 years, so you have to Keep that in mind when you're giving Jadavian Clowney a huge, you know, four-year deal like that, but on a one, two-year deal, the Ravens are in win-now mode. The Calais Campbell deal, Calais Campbell is not going to be around forever, right? The Brandon Williams not going to be around forever. There are some guys on that roster It's a relatively young roster, but... I mean, Calais Campbell right now is their best defensive lineman, there is no doubt about it, but they probably have two good years of Calais Campbell before he starts to kind of decline and hit that fall off. For Matthew Judon versus Jadavion Clowney, that's really the debate that the Ravens are going to have to evaluate when looking at should they sign Jadavion Clowney because it's going to be one or the other. There is no cap space to keep both, but if you sign Jadavion Clowney to, let's say, a one year. Or no, let's say a two-year, $16 million per year contract. So two years, $32 million. Or even, we'll say, two years, $34 million, So $17 million a year. Just a million dollars a year more than Matthew Judon is making. Then you're able to trade Matthew Judon for, let's say, a second-round pick or, the very worst-case scenario, a third-round pick. The difference between Jadavia and Clowney and Matthew Judon in 2019 was the quarterback hits. I mean the sack numbers obviously Matthew Judon had nine and a half compared to Jadavian Clowney's three, but that number is a little skewed because Jadavian Clowney was being double teamed on most of his snaps, but was still winning it at the point of attack. Jadavian Clowney, however, only had thirteen quarterback hits, while Matthew Judon had twenty more at thirty three. And that is that's big. I mean, you have to look at that and say that's a pretty big difference. When you look at Matthew Judon and Jadivian Clowney, we talked about it all year. Matthew Judon had an immense amount of pressure. He just wasn't getting the quarterback down to the ground as much as, you know, uh, Khalil Mack does it or Von Miller does it or TJ Watt. Those are just the guys off the top of my head. But you look at Matthew Judon, the, the production is there. It's just not translating into quarterback sacks. If he can improve just that little extra bit to get the quarterback down on the ground, you could easily see him have a Zadarius Smith type level rise. And then you're getting him for that $60 million a year, which really ends up being a bargain if you're getting 13, 14 sacks out of him. For Clowney, it's a little different because they're different players. Clowney isn't as adept at dropping back into coverage. You know, both set the edge well, but... You have to look at the player, and you have to look at the circumstance. The Ravens have Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon likes it in Baltimore. He likes his teammates. Does Jadavian Clowney come in and not understand the system? Does Jadavian Clowney come in and not mesh with the team? The Ravens might stick out and play it safe here because look, you don't break up a 14 and two team and just you say scrap it. We're going with something completely different here. You know, you can trade, you can wiggle, you can do all this different stuff with the roster, but. In the end, these are the guys who got you to a 14-2 and record. Those are the guys who showed that with the production, with, with the chemistry, it's possible. If you put Jadavian Clowney on there and trade Matthew Judon, you know, honestly, I'm not opposed to doing either. I am not opposed to keeping Matthew Judon. I am not opposed to trading Matthew Judon. If it means Jadavian Clowney comes in, then so be it. That is totally all right with me. But you have to understand that, you know, breaking up that tight end room by trading Hayden Hurst it hurts a little because that tight end room is what made the Ravens so potent. Now you're bringing in Charles Scarf, and Charles Scarf could be the next coming of Rob Gronkowski, right? Who knows? But he also could be less than Hayden Hurst was. So it's that risk, you know? Michael Pierce, you know, does Michael Brockers come in and do a better job? I personally think so, yes. Does starting Clayes Campbell over Chris Wormley increase your chances of getting to the quarterback and playing better defense? I think so, yes. But you have to see, with Matthew Judon versus Devian Clowney, It's really a win-win for Baltimore. If you keep Matthew Judon, it's a win because you're keeping one of your guys who helped you to that record, helped you to the playoffs, helps you to the best record in franchise history, and has the opportunity to improve. But Jadavion County, if you sign him as a free agent and then trade Matthew Judon, you're getting the compensation for Matthew Judon. You're getting a second round pick, ammo to move up in the draft, ammo to move back in the draft. A lot of different possibilities could happen there, but you're also getting a proven player on a two-year deal that will expire. And if he keeps getting hurt, then his value will go down. If he really impresses and helps you in a Super Bowl, then you get that value that you got and you're not complaining. So overall, the Ravens, it's a decision to make. And personally, if I had to guess, I think the Ravens are going to opt to keep Matthew Judon. If the Ravens trade Matthew Judon and don't have a contingency plan, it won't be the best look for them because they need a veteran on that roster to to kind of guide the young guys, to guide Jalen Ferguson, to, to guide Tyus Bowser. I personally think the Ravens should bring back Terrell Suggs. I think that would be phenomenal and quite the homecoming story, let me tell you. But with Matthew Judon, You know, I think that they have something special. You know, people didn't believe Z'Darrius Smith was going to have that breakout season when he signed McGreen Bay. They said, oh, four years, over $60 million. Oh my God, right? That is terrible. But look what he did. You know, with that extra year, with that extra push, you know, coming off a career year for Matthew Judon and Sachs, he could push himself to the next level. And I fully believe that he is capable and is possible of doing such a thing. But then again, if you trade him, you, you get the asset. You get the cap space. Maybe you go out and you have the cap space to sign Jimmy Smith. You can go out and sign a few other mid-tier, not great, but mid-tier free agents. But at this point, who's still there for them to sign? There are a few, and we'll talk about them in the next segment coming up here. But you look at that and you say, Matthew Judon is liked in Baltimore. Matthew Judon has produced in Baltimore. Matthew Judon is a homegrown talent in Baltimore. The Ravens don't want to give up on that. I know Matthew Judon doesn't want to give up on that. You know, he's excited to be in Baltimore posting on Instagram, posting on Twitter, you know, very involved. So I think that you know, people are underestimating and undervaluing Matthew Judon. They say, all right, we should trade him because $16 million. Oh, we want the cap hit to sign someone. Well, to sign who? Jadavion Clowney and Emmanuel Sanders Robbie Anderson are really the only three guys who I can see who would command that type of cap hit. So it's looking more and more likely that the Ravens are going to keep Matthew Judon. I do think that that's the right move for them. But then again, if they end up deciding to trade him, we'll not be opposed to it. And, you know, just roll with the punches there because if he does decide to get traded and he has that breakout season, then the Ravens took a gamble. And that's what you have to do in the NFL. You have to take gambles and say, all right, well, we have a player here. Hasn't produced to the best of his ability, but we know he could do something. Maybe the change of scenery does it. Was that what happened with Zedaria Smith? We'll never know. But with Matthew Judon, I think he can put it together in Baltimore. It's just a matter of sticking with him long enough to find out. We're going to head to our final break now, but when we return, we're going to be talking about some more free agents that Baltimore could potentially go after the scraps. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked On Ravens Free Agents, the Thursday edition episode. Kevin Oshark is still with you. And as we just got into if Jadavion Clowney is an option for Baltimore as he is still the free agent, it's time to look at those free agents, at least the remaining ones, and see who's a fit for Baltimore. Who could Baltimore sign, you know, off the scrap heap here, as some people are starting to call it, is guys who could come in and contribute right away for this Baltimore team, and just running down the list, there are a few options that are really quality for Baltimore. I mean, the first guy you have to look at, and Jameson Hensley reported that Baltimore is not going to be in the running, or at least very unlikely to be in the running for a top-tier wide receiver, and the top-tier wide receivers that are remaining, Robbie Anderson and Emmanuel Sanders. Now, personally, I've been a fan of both. I like Robbie Anderson a lot. I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot, but at this point, Emmanuel Sanders makes more sense to me. I believe he's going to be cheaper. I believe that he has better blocking ability, and I think he just fits the Ravens' scheme better. So, if Baltimore does decide to go with you know one of those star receivers, hopefully it is Sanders because I think that you know with his veteran presence, I, I, the Ravens need to sign a veteran receiver. I think that that's you know imperative because it's an opportunity to get another guy who's not Willie Snead in the locker room to help coach up the young guys. The Ravens did it with Seth Roberts last year, and I think they should do it. Again again, but a few guys who the Ravens could potentially sign who aren't those big name receivers, Taylor Gabriel and Rashard Higgins. Now, Taylor Gabriel was a speedster for the Atlanta Falcons a long time ago, went to the Chicago Bears, now a free agent, but I like Rashard Higgins for Baltimore. A big guy, can catch the football, a really crisp route runner, and very underutilized in Cleveland. I mean, in 2018 for Cleveland, had 39 receptions for 572 yards and four touchdowns, and he just torched the Ravens in in every game, it seems like. But in 2019, Freddie Kitchens... I don't know what he was doing with with Rashard Higgins, and I mean, frankly, nobody knew what Freddie Kitchens was doing with anything. But only four receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown for Higgins, and I think that he could be a very good fit for Baltimore. I mean, has 1,016 yards in his entire career, 76 career receptions. A guy who I think could really fit in. Now his nickname is Hollywood, so there could be a bit of an issue having two Hollywoods on one team. Maybe it's a bad omen or something, but. Hollywood Higgins and Hollywood Brown you know, has a pretty nice duo to it. It'll be the Hollywood Ravens out in Baltimore, but potentially a guy who could come into Baltimore and really make an impact signing, you know, a three, $4 million deal on a one year prove it deal to say, Hey, look, my 2018 was my production, not my 2019. For tight end, not a lot of guys to sign. I mean, Eric Ebron is there, Luke Stocker, Geoff Swaim, but this was a weak draft class to begin with, and now everybody is signed, really, except for those three guys. I think Charles Scarf is the guy here. You know, the Ravens are definitely going to draft one as well, but for now, Charles Scarf is going to be the guy at tight end for Baltimore. I don't expect him to bring anybody in from the outside in free agency. On the offensive line, I mentioned Josh Klein, and I think that this is, could be a signing to watch for Baltimore. Signed last season with the Vikings from Tennessee and was the Vikings' second-best guard. I mean, the Vikings fans were very surprised he was released. His run-blocking grade was a 62.3. The best run blocker on the Vikings was Pat Iflin. He had a 66.2 run-blocking grade, but, you know, Josh Klein is not great, But he's not bad either, and I think that he could really push Ben Powers in a competition and also stay for guard depth. Of course, the Ravens releasing James Hurst, I think that Josh Klein comes into Baltimore, and I'll make a prediction here. I think that the Ravens do end up signing Josh Klein because he will not count against a compensatory formula. He can play both guard positions, but he can also compete for that starting job. If Ben Powers isn't actually ready and they need a veteran to step in there, Josh Klein can do it. I think that he fits the Ravens' system. He likes to run block, and he could be a guy that I really see the Ravens going after hard in free agency. But moving on to the defensive side of the football, When you look at Edge, you mentioned Jadivian Clowney, but that's really the only guy I see Baltimore going after not named Terrell Suggs. That's my dream scenario, actually. Not Jadavian Clowney, the dream scenario. Terrell Suggs, the dream scenario. Someone who could come in, give you really productive pass rushing snaps. If you only give him 20, 25 snaps a game, you know, don't ask him to play the entire game. But if you put him in a situational third down pass rusher, that would be something I would really like for Baltimore. I'd also like to see Baltimore re-sign Pernell McPhee. But Marcus Golden is really the best pass rusher, not named Jadavian Clowney on the board. Really revived his career in New York with the Giants after having 12 and a half sacks in 2016 had none in 2017 only two and a half in 2018 with the Cardinals so went to the Giants had 10 sacks in 2019 so he's a guy who I could maybe the Ravens go after but I really really doubt it Everson Griffin is also available as well as Cameron Wake inside linebacker I don't see anybody. Do you sign Alec Ogletree, who was cut? Do you sign Tahir Whitehead, who was cut? I do think the Ravens bring in a veteran, but I think that veteran is gonna end up being Josh Bynes. I think the Ravens hit it out of the park with Josh Bynes and LJ Ford. That duo worked really well together. I mean, adding Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray to that equation, that three-down linebacker rotation would be zooming. But I do think if the Ravens were to bring in somebody from the outside, Alec Ogletree would be the guy. But again, I think Josh Bynes is gonna end up being the guy. And I also think moving on to cornerback, Jimmy Smith returns to Baltimore. I think that the Ravens really want him back. I think that he secretly does want to return to Baltimore, and he not so secretly said that he does. So I think he's just waiting for a market to develop, but guys like Prince Mookamera is still out there, Bashad Breedlin, Ronald Darby, Jonathan Joseph. The Ravens could bring in Xavier Rhodes. He's the guy who I think that potentially the Ravens could bring in if it's not Jimmy Smith. But I think they need a veteran in that in that locker room, in that cornerback room. And I think Jimmy Smith could be the guy for them. I think he will be the guy for them. I mean, Logan Ryan is really the best cornerback still available. We just talked about Chris Harris in the first segment, only two years, $20 million. I know Jimmy Smith is probably looking for that Josh Norman money, that $8 million, $7 million. But you could see Jimmy Smith potentially returning to Baltimore one year, five million million, two two years, $11 million. I would take Jimmy Smith and snatch him up at that price. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, we're going to be talking about more free agency, more exciting times to be a Ravens fan, so stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.